Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you that you speak to us through it. Please give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what you have to say to us today. Amen. All right, Christmas is over. The new year is here. Uh, we're in church probably for the first time in 2024 for most of us. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Over Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Son of God who came into the world 2,000 years ago. Jesus is why we meet together. As Ben said, we're continuing in the book of Luke and we're jumping in at Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is no longer a baby. Jesus is in fact starting his ministry, so he's about 30 years old. And so at the start of the year, I think it's a great time to learn how Jesus started his ministry and started things off. And at this point in the story, the world is asking, who is this Jesus guy? Why don't we find out? So the story so far, so that we're all caught up, is that Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness by the devil for 40 days. He has resisted temptation and he is now returning to Galilee. And he is teaching in all the synagogues and being glorified by all. So quite expected, isn't it, for the Son of God to be teaching and being glorified. Jesus makes his debut with a bang. And like modern day debuts, Jesus isn't doing this alone. Have a look at verse 14 with me. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So as Jesus starts his official ministry, he doesn't do it on his own, which I think is something that is very easy to overlook. Jesus is the Son of God, and so assuming that he can do it on his own is a safe bet. But in fact, Jesus is being led by the Spirit and is ministering in the power of the Spirit. Jesus is willingly and happily following God's plan. Now, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want, and what I really, really want is for you to tell me who these people are. They are the Spice Girls. That is a Spice Girls song, isn't it? Oh, good, phew, I got my cultural reference correct. Um, pop your hand up, who has heard of the Spice Girls? Cool, the whole room has their hand up, this is fantastic. They are a well-known band. Uh, who has heard of Simon Fuller? Pop your hand up. Oh, okay. Yeah, Simon Fuller is the one who made the Spice Girls who they are. He turned them from a band into a brand. He is the mastermind behind most of their success. Many famous people have a manager behind them who make them who they are, who gets them the right gigs, who puts them in the right interviews, who gets them to the right areas at the right time so that their fame can grow. We might think that Jesus' relationship with the Spirit is a little bit like that, but it's not quite. Jesus and the Spirit work together. The Spirit works in and through Jesus, leading him through God's plan. And did you know that if we follow Jesus, that same Spirit that is working in Jesus here is working in us. We have that same Spirit that empowered Jesus' ministry. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's definitely good enough for us. In the New, in, elsewhere in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And then later in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord, which empowered Jesus to do God's will, is the same Spirit that we receive when we turn back to God and accept Jesus as the King of our lives. This is powerful and it's life-changing. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples to the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. In other words, we are gods if we follow Jesus. We are co-heirs with Jesus in God's inheritance, which is absolutely crazy. And as we start the new year, remember that if you follow Jesus, you have that Spirit of God in you, guiding you and teaching you. Jesus' ministry is empowered by the Spirit, and we see in verses 14 and 15 that his fame grew as he taught. As we live for Jesus, we want that same thing. Through what we say and do, that Jesus' fame will grow. Not our own, but Jesus. And we know that if we follow Jesus, we can follow God's leading as the Spirit manages us and brings people and events into our lives to bring us closer to God, as well as opportunities to share about Jesus with others, which is pretty cool. As we go through the book of Luke, you will have seen the graphic up on the screen. Ben just explained it to us as well, that we are looking at the upside-down kingdom. And the next little bit, we're going to get a glimpse of that. Jesus' ministry so far is going as we would have expected, uh, but now things are getting a little unexpected, which is why I've worn my unexpected hero shirt. Nice. Flinders left the room. I think he's the only other one who has one of these. Or John, do you have one? Yeah, there we go. We saw just before Jesus is becoming more and more famous. And at this time in the world, believe it or not, social media was not a thing. So Jesus' teaching and deeds were being spread by word of mouth. And eventually he makes it to Nazareth, where he was brought up, as we see in verse 16. And on the Sabbath day, he is in the synagogue and he gets up to read from the scroll of Isaiah. And he reads a specific passage from it. And everyone is impressed by his teaching and they marvel. But then they say, isn't this Joseph's son? The people are impressed by what Jesus is saying, but they are not taking the opportunity that Jesus is presenting them. I wonder if you have ever been in this position. You haven't seen someone for a long time, and the first thing they say to you is, oh my, haven't you grown? I remember when you were this small. And then nothing you say after that is taken seriously. For me, it's normally, oh my, haven't you grown outwards? Um, but I'm sure for a few of you, it is, I haven't seen you since you are a child, Wow, you're all grown up now. I've seen many stories of people having discussions about serious things like flying planes or medical practices and then the professional's opinion, opinion being dismissed because the others in the conversation, I knew you when you were a child, I know better. There are also many situations where people don't know who they are actually talking to. I have a few examples. The first one is from a guy called Ed Solomon and he says in a tweet, at the cafe where I'm writing, the people next to me were disagreeing about the origins of men in black. And I said, if you'd like, I could clear that up for you. And one responded, I'm sorry, we do not need an old white male's mansplanation. So I apologised, and that was that. Does anyone know who Ed Solomon is? He's one of the co-creators of Men in Black. And so if there is anyone qualified to talk about the origins of Men in Black, it is Ed 
they did not know who they were talking to. Tony Hawk uh, experiences this quite a lot. He, he is a famous uh, skateboarder. Uh, and he posted at Tilly's with my daughter, waiting for her by the dressing room. Mask on. Guy folding clothes nearby. Anyone tell you you look like Tony Hawk? Me looking over, expecting sarcasm, but realising he's serious. You have no idea. Him. That's cool. He's cool. Me. Thanks. Him. Huh? Apparently, Tony Hawk has a lot of people come up to him and say, you look like Tony Hawk, not realising that he is, in fact, the real deal. They don't know who they are really talking to. My last one, Tom Morello. He is a famous songer, singer, songwriter uh, in America. And he said, getting a cappuccino today. And the barista says, did anyone tell you you look just like Tom Morello? I say, all the time. He says, I'll bet. I order my coffee. He says, what's the name? I say, Tom. He says, your name is Tom too? That's crazy. I'm like, it sure is. Uh, yeah, the barista did not know who he was really talking to. Yeah, people can be thick. Uh, we can all be a little thick sometimes. And the people in Nazareth think that all Jesus is, is the son of Joseph. They don't know the full extent of who he actually is. They hear what he says and essentially do the equivalent of my, hasn't Jesus grown up well? He can talk well, he looks good, he says some great things, that's great. They are missing the gravity of what Jesus is saying. So let's have a look at what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah. He gets given it and he reads the words specifically from Isaiah 61. Um, A little thing to note, back in the day when Jesus would have been reading this, they didn't have the chapters and verses that we do today. Uh, So this Jesus was handed the specific scroll and he finds this specific section. Um, Isaiah, a lot of the second part of it, which is where this is from, is also prophetic writing. They're words which held a lot of meaning for Israel at the time that they heard them, but they also point forward to God's plan for the future. And they're quite specific. And again, Jesus has just started his ministry, and he says that these words are about him. He started well, it's going well, his fame's growing, and it gets better. Because the person that Isaiah is talking about here, and that we see spoken about and prophesied throughout the Old Testament, is actually Jesus. He is the one the Jewish people were waiting for. Have a look at verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus is anointed to do a specific ministry, to proclaim good news to the poor. We know from the rest of the story of God's salvation plan that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. We just need to accept him as our king who died in our place. We are all poor in spirit and need rescuing. But I think that Jesus is also talking about those who are poor in other ways. <coughs> Excuse me. The rest of the Bible supports this. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he takes time for those who are downtrodden or who are not as well off. And Jesus' mission is the church's mission. So what are we doing to help those who are less well off? In the new Wonka movie, there is a character called Fickle Gruber. He's quite rich and he does think that those with less money than him are not worth the time or the effort. And every time someone says the word poor, he vomits a little bit. It's funny and we laugh, but we do live in a very affluent part of the world, in a very affluent part of Sydney even. And that's good and that's fine, but we need to make sure we don't have the same attitude as Finkelgruber 
even if it's something that we're not really seeing in ourselves. We need to follow Jesus' example and care for those who are less well off. Jesus goes on to say that he has been sent to proclaim liberty to captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He is the one who is sent to declare the arrival of a new era. And not only that, he is the one who will bring about the release of what he declares. See how he finishes off. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The year of the Lord's favour is referring to the year of Jubilee that we can read about in Leviticus 25. The year of Jubilee involves releasing of all indebtedness, all types of bondage, all prisoners and captives were set free, all slaves were released, all debts were forgiven, all property was returned to its original owners, and all labour, all work, was to stop for one year. And those who were bound by labour contracts were released from them. Sounds pretty good. Happened once every 50 years. The year of Jubilee was there so that both the land and the people could rest. A whole year of rest sounds pretty good. Jesus is saying that he is going to bring about God's salvation and the release from suffering and oppression. That's a pretty big thing to claim, isn't it? It's fine now. Why? Because I am here. That's actually a line from a superhero called All Might from the series My Hero Academia. Any anime nerds here? It could just be me, but that's all right. It sounds cocky, but through the series, All Might does save the day every time. It's not a cocky statement, it is just the reality. No matter the situation, it's fine. Why? Because All Might is here. Someone who does what they say, who saves the day. What Jesus is saying is next level. He's saying that he is both a prophet and the Messiah, the one who will bring about God's salvation. He says in verse 21, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If there was any doubt as to whether or not it was a coincidence that Jesus was handed this scroll, that he found the right words to say, it's gone. He says that it's about him. Life can be tough. We don't know where we're going. But that's fine. Why? Because Jesus has done it. We know that he has done it. And we are waiting with anticipation for him to come back and to take us home with him. This is who Jesus is. Jesus' words are big and he can back them up. We do just need to continue reading the gospel accounts of his life to discover that. And so the crowd reacts appropriately. They marvel at the words which he spoke. But an issue arises in their mind, doesn't it? We saw it just before. They see Jesus just as Joseph's son. It is just Joseph's son, so how can he say these things? How can this dude, this carpenter, be all these things and more? Now, Jesus is good at reading people. We see this throughout the Bible. And here he beats them to the mark. Verse 23 says, Doubtless you will quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have seen you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Jesus knows they want him to prove himself. Do what you did elsewhere here so that we know it's true. Now, if Taylor Swift came to do a show in Oatly and then was like, actually, I don't actually need to prove to you guys that I can sing. I'm going to go off and do my show in Hurstville instead. We wouldn't think, oh, I don't know if Taylor Swift can actually sing. Mm, she, didn't, she didn't prove it, so I don't know. We know Taylor Swift can sing. She doesn't need to prove it. And Jesus doesn't need to prove himself. He continues saying, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Now this is true throughout the Bible as well. God's word can be hard to hear, especially when it's to set his people on the right track. 
No one likes being told they're doing the wrong things, and so God's prophets were often met with rejection. And then Jesus drops the mic. He lets the people know what's what. He brings up a period in Israel's history where Elijah and Elisha were prophets. It was a pretty bad period for Israel, and they were very much living in rejection of God. And Jesus points out that during this time, nothing really happened for Israel, but it was a few Gentiles who were healed rather than those in Israel. Jesus compares where he is now to one of the least spiritual times in Israel's history. And he suggests that the Gentiles are worthy of his ministry. Now, this is interesting because the Jews and the Gentiles, so Jewish people and those who aren't Jews, did not get along well. They didn't get along well at all. And so this is a crazy statement. Jesus brings with him a choice, an opportunity for blessing, but that holds an equal opportunity for judgment. The people listening on hear this and grow very angry. You'll see that they are filled with wrath. And if we read on just a little bit, we see that they try and toss Jesus off a cliff, but Jesus chuffs off and goes elsewhere. The king came back to his hometown, but he is met with rejection rather than celebration. An upside-down kingdom indeed. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who brings about God's salvation plan for humanity. He came to set the captive free, and he brings with him a choice, to follow him or to reject him. Every person needs to make this choice. The claims that he makes about himself are grand, but he can back them up. We only need to read the rest of the story to find that out. So what will we do this year in response to what Jesus has done? Will we look at him and think, no way that this baby that we celebrate at Christmas did all that and is all that and move on? Or will we follow him and take on his mission to bring his name to the world, which isn't something that we do alone, because we do have God's spirit with us, guiding us and teaching us according to God's plan. So let's pray that God will use his people and work in us for his good purposes. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you that you speak to us through it. Thank you for... Jesus and that you sent him into the world for us. I pray that this year you will give us courage to follow your plan, that you will empower us to do things that may not be easy, knowing that it's for the glory of your kingdom. Amen.